Father in heaven, thank you for this new day, for the blessing of rest, for your protection. Be with us in the presentation of today. Lead us and guide us to understand the powerful message of be filled with the Spirit. Be with us that in this moment are um, sick or in hospital, um, like the mother of our beloved friend here, and help us to intercede each other in prayer always. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. The, um, the topic that we were probably finishing today, it is um, connection, and um, I'm going maybe before moving out from here, um, I will give you the text here because we are going to be finished with this. <clears throat> Taking count this text coming in Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through, let me see, 18. And, uh, and we are going to, to work with that in some part of our presentation today. Um, in our relationship with um, the, main, the main topic that is Ephesians chapter 5. Let me see, it is 18 on. Ephesians chapter 5, and let's put 18 through 21. And we are going to be working lately, but um, you have it ready because it's important in the process of interpretation. One point that the method of the study of the Bible that I already gave, um, how many of you didn't have that? This. Uh, this is an official document of the um, BRI and is called like the document vote in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 1986. I already told the story. I'm not going to repeat that because in, uh, I, I already mentioned in the first presentation regarding this. Um, however, we are going to be finishing that, but one of strong recommendations in the document is that when we study the Bible, we compare uh, text with text. We need to compare Bible with Bible, scripture with scripture. And, and you are going to see something here that is going to alert you because sometimes I've been telling that we are under the influence of the charismatic or Pentecostal movement. And I'm not going to enter into that. But uh, when you go here to our text, you are going to see something quite clear coming from the Bible. Let's go to the Ephesians chapter 5. And we are going to be reading from 18 on. And be, the Bible says here, be not drunk with wine, 
were in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So this is a contrast, and we already covered that. In the, maybe one day ago, we were showing that this series of contrasts start in chapter 4. Don't do this, do this. Or do this, but not this. And there is about, what, maybe 10, 12 contrasts that you are going to see in the Bible. And it's finishing here. So here, here is the essence of the entire epistle. Because here it, it is when the Apostle Paul says, And be filled of the Spirit. And we are going to talk about today about the Spirit. Yesterday we were talking about Trinity. And uh, we were exploring uh, in yesterday's presentation about how the triadic forms appear in the Bible. I use this expression, um, triadic, to refer when the Bible speaks about Father, Son, and Spirit. Sometimes use Holy Spirit, sometimes use Spirit, but the name of the Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit for one reason. And it's important that you know that the word Spirit is neuma in the Bible. We already mentioned that. But remember something regarding that, that when we refer to the Holy Spirit, the Bible sometimes uses Holy Spirit to distinguish stronger than anything else about the mind of the human beings. That also is Numa, and also about to distinguish those of the evil spirits. You understand what I'm saying? So um, all of them are Numa. And uh, by the way, it's air in Greek, and that is the word for, uh, in English, pneumatics and uh, and wind uh, in Greek and uh, whatever. But but it's important that you have in mind about that. But uh, my point now is to compare how the teachings coming from the Apostle Paul here, it is biblically supported in the Bible. And let me share with you that when the Bible says here, um, don't be drunk with wine, where is where in its excess, but be filled of the Holy Spirit, you are going to find out that the basic for that is very biblical in background. And um, and yesterday I did a mention, but go to the book of Luke, chapter one, verse fifteen. Luke chapter one, verse fifteen. And today I'm not going to have PowerPoint presentation because you are going to do exercise reading the Bible. And uh, it's my idea to finish today the presentation of this seminar. And tomorrow in the morning, I'm going to shift into the uh, topic of the um, hermeneutics today in the afternoon and tomorrow 
in the, in the morning. Hermeneutic is not going to finish, but uh, it's, a, it's a very long run to finish hermeneutic. It's, um, it's very challenging. If you have Luke one fifteen, the Bible says, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Who is talking about? John the Baptist. You're right. And because he shall drink neither wine nor a strong drink. That is powerful. It's very clear. But he shall be filled with what? With the Spirit. With the Spirit. So here you have um, substantial, very good interrelations in the New Testament background regarding what the Apostle Paul is advising to the Ephesians. Don't be drunk with wine, we're in success, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when, if you want to be filled of the Holy Spirit in charge, and if you have someone in the church that is maybe inclined to drink, remember to recommend those things here. So the, the other thing that we mention is that in the times of the New Testament, and probably in the practice of the temple rituals of Diana of the Ephesians or Artemis, that was the divinity, the goddess of the Ephesians, there were some kind of inductive kind of hard drink beverage, alcoholic thing. And uh, that's the reason why Paul is recommending that especially to the Ephesians. And uh, remember something, he mentioned very clearly about the temple without mentioning that. It's in the contrast that we already saw. And um, sometimes this is a very good, and I will say tactful advice coming from the apostle in relationship with them. Because sometimes we say people, don't do this. And we don't give reason. The apostle Paul is, is approaching to the topic very kindly, in a, in a pastor way, um, about this advice. The other text that I want to share this morning, I already did it, but is going to be refreshed in, in your mind, is the book of Acts, chapter 2. <clears throat> book of Acts, chapter 2. And in verse 4, the Bible says that all of them in the, in the upper room, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in another languages as the Spirit gave them utterances. And that was my problem in, in Tuesday because um, everybody here started interested in the speaking in tongues. And I don't have in my presentation the topic so um, we, were, we were diverting the entire presentation about speaking in tongues, but it's not on tape. So my recommendation is if you are interested, go to Winning and Reaching Pentecostals in pages 40 to 60, and you are going to find out my personal view regarding this topic that, of course, is centered in Acts 2. 
because here is a language in the book of Acts. It's not a gibberish of glossolalic kind of influence like probably appears in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 is, um, um, is the moment in which a gift of the Lord began to be so complex and problematic that is beginning to be a trouble for the church. However, in the book of Acts, it's a blessing for the church, and there were, as a result, many conversions. And we did all that comparison. So, so here, I guess it is enough uh, to say. Uh, some people might think that under the relation of a spirit um, be filled off is a kind of content and uh, that like we are the containers. You, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Um, but let me, let me say that the relation spirit, spirit content versus we container uh, we don't need to put that in that way because some people call the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, a divine afflatus. You, you heard that? Uh, afflatus. Uh, that, is, uh, that is one of the expressions that one of the pioneers of the church used, and that is Uriah Smith, divine afflatus, um, in, in regarding to that. But um, let me tell you that, that the Bible is strong regarding that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing, not a gas, not air. And, and there are strong evidences. The first big evidence in the context here is uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 and the bible says and grieve not lupete me lupete is the word in greek don't do not grieve uh, the holy spirit of god whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption in spanish says don't no contristeis al espíritu that means something. Um, the spirit can feel. And that, that is very clear. Can feel, can have, you know, um, perceptions like, like a person. And, um, and reflects and think. Let me share with you a couple of texts. Let's go for a moment out of the book of Ephesians. And let's go to the book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 15. Book of Acts, chapter 15, 1 5. And we are going to read two verses. Uh, Acts, chapter 15, 25 and 28. 25 and 28. 25 reads, It seemed good. Um, unto us, what does it mean? Who is us in the sentence? The apostles. 
Remember something, Acts 15. You, you remember the context? In hermeneutics, we are telling that we need to read the text inside the context. And the context, what is the context of that sentence? The context is the first apostolic council. It's the only that we accept because all the other were Catholics. But this is apostolic. And in that, he says, the text says, it says, uh, it seemed to us, unto us. That is apostles. That is apostles. Being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Okay? That says that in 25. Look now, 28. It seemed good to who? The to the Holy Spirit and to us. Question. When you read that, you can think that the Holy Spirit is a thing, air. It's a person. It's, it's put biblically here in the same level of the persons. Uh, it, it, for me, it's a very, very a strong idea. So sometimes when, when you compare this with, um, with a tendency in, in some uh, charismatic slash Pentecostal churches in which the preachers are giving orders to the Holy Spirit, and you begin to think, who is in the control here? Who has the control power at hand? You know, it, it is like when, when you have this and you press the button and start to function, somebody says, uh, and give orders to the spirit, do this and do this and do that. And, and that is not the point because we are to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit under our control. Um, uh, that, that, that is a, an, an important uh, point um, to, to understand. Uh, I, I've, been, I've been checking very much the conceptual idea of being filled of the Spirit. And let me, let me tell you something, that when you read and read the term, it's not the concept of filling up, like in a cup or a glass of water, but filling through, like when you open a window and the air is beginning to happen and is going to inflate the sail of a ship. And that is not a momentaneous uh, influence, but it's a permanent influence that is going to fill us with the influence of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and let me tell you that there are evidences for that in the context of, of the New Testament. Uh, for example, John 16, 6. John 16, 6 say, uh, John 16, uh, Gospel of John 1, 6, uh, verse 6, 
but because I've said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Come, the sorrow over there. And uh, Acts, book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 28, again the same word appear. Um, and the Bible says, saying, Did not we straight command you that ye should not teach in, in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. That is the same word. The same word. So it's a, count, uh, a kind of permanent influence that is a driving force that is conducting the people into a, a style of life that is going to be um, completely different. How, how we can know how a person is filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we were mentioned on, 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 on our apocrypha meeting on, on Tuesday, uh, and we quote the Assemblies of God, and you are going to find out in www. A-G dot O-R-G, Assemblies of God, the Articles of Faith of the Assemblies of God. And in the Assemblies of God, Articles of Faith, number eight, they say that it is possible to know that a person is filled with the Holy Spirit only with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay? So, what the Bible says about being filled of the Holy Spirit? How the Bible says that we are going to show an evidence of who is filled of the Holy Spirit? Open your Bible, please. Open your Bible in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. This is not a profession of faith of a church. This is what an apostle of the Lord, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is given to the church, to the Galatians. And you are going to see how it looks a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Galatians 5, 22-23, But the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Look for about the speaking in tongues. No mentions. So here has to do with character. With character. Um, of course, there are manifestations of speaking in tongues. But speaking in tongues in the Bible, as we see in the book of Acts, were languages. And, uh, and we mentioned the other day that in the process of language, there is a speaker, is a listener, and there is a message that is sent from the speaker to the listener, and the listener is answering back, and that is the circle of communication. 
And the circle of communication is closed in the book of Acts because you are going to see apostles speaking, people listening, answering back, and converting into the church. So the circle of communication is running and running and running continuously. The apostles call, they come. The apostles say this, they uh, answer to that. The apostles call to the church, they come to them. And that is the circle of the communication. In 1 Corinthians 14, you see a church that is a little bit appalled by the condition of some people speaking some things that they cannot understand. Okay? Like, um, I like very much to, to read sometimes in, in, other, in other languages. Uh, John 3.16, for example. And you are going to talk maybe half an hour that way, and the church is going to see... What is that? That is John 3.16 in Greek. But what is, what is worthy in the worship? What is the meaningful? My friend over there preaching in, in Mexico has, has the best explanation for that because he told us yesterday that he was preaching in English, the wife was translating into Spanish and another translator into a local um, Indian language in Central America, South Mexico, and they were a little bit surprised because they were checking and there was variance in, in, in the language in English and also a rich language in Spanish, but always was repeat the same in the local dialect, Indian language, and when they check about that, the translator was telling, no entiendo, I don't understand, I don't understand. And every time that they were talking something, he was telling, I don't understand, with probably a smile, and the people were confused. Yes, you want to say something. Paul, when he lists, I think it's in Corinthians, when he lists gifts, he mentions are all apostles, are all, do all speak in tongues, do all have these, these particular things. But then he, I think you pointed this out, but seek after the better gift that I would have you all uh, prophesy. Well, the, the, the point in, in, in Paul, in 1 Corinthians, uh, in verses 1 through 3, it's very clear that the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians, we are talking about this, it's very clear that he says, I wish that you might be able to speak in tongues, but more that you prophesy. And he began to emphasize like prophecy is higher and more important than speaking in tongues. But it's clear to me in verse um, 7, 6, 7, 8, 9 in 1 Corinthians 14 that he is speaking about languages. But there's a difference between gifts and fruit of the Spirit, is yeah. it not? Of course. So that's two different things. Yes, yes. And there is, by the way, it's one fruit. Yes. That is, that is a fruit, w like with a tree, 
with a lot of elements in that. Yes, Olga. Um, to me, it cannot be clear in many languages the tongue means the tongue in our mouth, and at the same time, different languages, language that we speak in. So there is no confusion whatsoever speaking in an unknown tongue. Well, um, yes. Um, well, the, my, I explained that probably you were not in that moment, or maybe I was not enough clear, but I am going to deal with that. But in the book of Acts, there are about uh, 18 different ethnical background languages in which the apostles are given the message. And they are understanding. And that is very clear that they were understood in their own language. And they, they approach and say, are not these Galileans? Um, they were diminishing them because, you know, the conceptual bias, I would say, cultural bias, according to my perception, that is, they, there is low people here, lower class. Uh, how in the world they might be able to speak in, in other languages, and they are going to understand that. So here, in the book of Acts, is very clear language. That's the reason I would say that in speaking tongues, you have in Acts the model, the model, conceptual model about that. But in 1 Corinthians 14, the congregation was in trouble. And the Apostle Paul, finally... If you continue reading from 10, verse 10, chapter 14, verse 10, through 18 approximately, the apostle recommends strongly that they need to have interpretation. Because if there is no interpretation, it's better to keep silence in the congregation. So, so always Paul is talking about languages in my perception. So there is another thing that I need to tackle um, before finishing here, and that is um, um, a kind of, um, of concern, because probably you are aware about the existence of anti-Trinitarians, those who deny the Trinity, isn't it? In general, anti-Trinitarians denied some of them, the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, here is the critical thing. And uh, there is a, what I will say is a critical theological inconsistency with the anti-Trinitarians because while they affirm that the Holy Spirit Spirit is a divine afflatus or a simple force, put, you know, um, quotations, mark at the beginning and the end, or power, but not a person. They deny that the Holy Spirit is a person, but they consistently give credit that the demonic spirit have individuality and personhood. Really? 
And that is very inconsistent. Because they deny that quality of the Holy Spirit, but they endorse the demonic powers with personality and personhood. And that is a big, big thing that you need to take in account when you talk about this topic with them. So let's 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 go let's go for a moment now and I my invitation is let's go to open your Bible here. Colossians chapter three verses sixteen and eighteen and Ephesians five eighteen through twenty one. And have Mark together because what we are we are going to do is to uh, is to move in between both of them, okay? And you are going to discover something here in comparing scriptures with a scripture. Remember something. We mentioned this. Ephesians is a epistle written by Paul from the prison. Colossians two. And you are going to find out that there are many sections in which there are some similarities. And this is one. This is one. So let's start with um, Ephesians. And the Bible says, and we are going to read between 18 and 21st, okay? And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Are you with me? 19, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20 now, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Okay? Now, let's compare and let's go to the book of Colossians. And we are going to read chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. And you are going to see some kind of, uh, what I would say, parenthetical elements that are coming in uh, that are similarities between one and the other. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The other says, be filled of the Spirit. Here says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It is clear that is a relationship here. So in one is the word of Christ, and in the other is the Spirit of God. You see that? So... Here is something quite interesting. Why? Because um, I, I've been mentioning from the beginning of my seminar on Monday 
that in our culture, um, the evangelical, charismatic slash Pentecostal movements have kind of influence um, regarding the topic of the Holy Spirit, like it will be a kind of ownership of the Holy Spirit. And I say that is not. Holy Spirit has to be dealt with the Bible. There is no ownership of any church or any religious movement. And we need to tackle the point with the Bible. And here is a very clear relationship between the word of Christ and the Holy Spirit. It is curious because you are going to detect something. And that is here is the curiosity of the point. Some of these movements associate a spirit with um, experience, feelings. And that is the Pentecostals and Charismatics. And you remember when, when uh, I mentioned I had an experience. This experience is in the Bible, second line, third line. Then my experience is true, remember. So for them, experience is higher. However, they are not saying the same with the word. And in reality here, you are going to see there is a very deep equivalency in the Bible regarding the influence of the spirit and the word because it's the same. And when they are talking about the word, word means doctrines, word means study, and they are more inclined to experience and feelings. And they are um, thinking in miracles and extraordinary things. But when they speak about word, uh, there is hermeneutics um, that leads to the correct teaching. They are diminishing because they prefer the feelings about that. But the true biblical teaching... The true biblical experience of the Holy Spirit will lead the person to the holiness and sanctity. Remember something here. Holy Spirit is holy. Holy. That means sanctity. That is the emphasis of the name. And this is the problem we are having today, we are not emphasized too much about holiness, about sanctity of life. And that is important because sanctity of life starts with the sanctity of our mind and the purity in our hearts. So when you see the rest of both teachings here, here, you are going to see that the Apostle Paul is beginning to say to them, speak Christian. Speak Christian. Say the Lord here. We share a faith based upon the Bible. Let's speak about the Bible in the church. Sometimes in the church we are not talking too much about the Bible and the Christian experience, and sometimes we are dealing too much with other people or about other people, and that is not good. This is the reason 
that we come to the church to learn about the word of God. And this is, this is to build our faith with song of faith. Song of faith. There are some theatrical songs sometimes. Entertaining theology in the teachings in the church. And I don't like that. We are used to listen to many music that is coming from outside. And I am concerned with that. Because that is not good. The Bible says here, the content has to be Psalms. That is biblical. That, that is biblical. Um, that is the experience of the faith in, uh, in the life of the people of God. And those things that are in the Psalms, remember something, they were inspired by who? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. With a spirit of thanksgiving, says the Apostle Paul, to say thanks. Change many things in life. How many times we say thanks? Sometimes we are um, so focused in formalities. But let me tell you that we need to say more thanks in charge for, for what we experience. Because every time we are meeting in the church, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And we need to express more in deep our experience of thankfulness. Submitting, the Apostle Paul says, yourself. Family, wives, husbands, children, to parents, servants, to their leaders. And this means a very good relationship that works and build up the church. So for me, that is be filled of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Word. Be filled with the teachings of the Word. And sometimes when I reflect on this, I will say, be filled of the Spirit. Be filled of the Spirit. Be filled of the Spirit. God bless you and thank you. Yes, I am finishing. Um, I have friends that are um, non-Trinitarian, and they, they take like two comments from Ellen White where she says the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, and in another place she says he's the Spirit of Christ. Well, they take that to, well, he doesn't, he's not his own separate person that he's just the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ well to me that's spiritualism the spiritualism says that we have a, a soul that is separate and distinct from us that continues to live that we can communicate with but if you, by saying that the Holy Spirit is simply the spirit of God or the spirit of Christ and not in you know his own you know, personhood that's spiritualism that it's just this, you know, something that you know belongs to God that can communicate with man. Yeah, that's a reason. Is, isn't that spiritualism? Well, it's close to a spiritualism, and sometimes let me tell you that there are certain movements in which you do not pay too much attention, but some of them are very, um, very close to a spiritualism. And I don't know if uh, the PowerPoint is going to work here. But if you have the chance to wait a little bit, I'm going to put this back.
uh, to you to rephrase what I said yesterday here. Uh, light is coming. So I'm going to show. It's something that you saw yesterday, but um, probably is the best explanation that you are going to find out. Because, um, yes, it's true what they say, but it's not biblical. And I'm going to give you a couple of arguments um, regarding this. And, um, because uh, here is, let me see if it's coming. Um, here you are going to see. Look for, open your Bibles, please. And I'm going to refresh a little bit something that we were dealing with. Um, open your Bibles in the book of Matthew 28. And we are going to be reading the book of Matthew so yesterday, I put here this, and I put it in plain. Um, and uh, this is grammatical, and I mentioned this yesterday, that when you go to Matthew 28, for the one tense, un made teusate, that is, go and make disciples, Pantataetne in all the nations, uh, baptizantes, baptizing them, autos, them, esto onoma, that is in one name, one name. But, but here comes the element that is more important, is the way in which the articles work here, because it says um, in a uh, in two patros, kai tu, wio, kai tu, um, agius neumatos. And that is an article that is a very clear article to define the person. And uh, that is, for me, very um, powerful in the, in the reality because the work is in the song, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. That means equality and unity of each other. And the article preceding each non, that is patros, with an article, Father, Padre in Spanish, and weon, son, with an article, and agio neumatos with an article is indicating very clearly that they are with personality and they are equally in the same level of them. First. Okay, the other is that um, let's go to let's go to the book of John without forgetting this. Let's open the Bible in the book of John, chapter 16. Yes. Yes. There are, there are um, um, four times in which appears that. I've been, I've been telling Lira the other day that um, sometimes we are discovering one, but it's Echanos, uh, he, uh, appears uh, at least three, four times in between chapter 14, 15, 16. And you, you read that and you are going to find out that. But, but the point in which I am going here is um, 
um, chapter 14, um, and I was, for some reason, I was in another chapter. Sorry for that. Here. So let's open John 14, and we are going to be reading um, from the verse, um, let me see. Verse 16, that father, verse 17, that spirit. Yes, but uh, hold on a moment. Yes. Okay, verse 16, on. And the, the Bible says here, And I will pray the father. First, first reflection. The son is not the father. He needs to pray to the father. And, and I'm saying this because there is a oneness movement. And the oneness movement means that they believe that Son and Father are the same. But here the Bible says very clear, and I will pray the Father, and, and he shall give. So the Father is a divine person that is different. And the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Another. Here, here the word that appears in the original is alos, alos paracletos. Alos paracletos. Alos means another, but um, it's not, it's not heteros or, or it's not deutero that we can have in, in um, you know, in, in Greek. But it's alos, that means that is another, like me, that is going to be with you. But this alos is not the father. Because it's a he, and it's very clear that in the rest of the context, you are going to find that this alos paracletos is he, is not it. Is person, ekeinos, for distinguishing that. So, um, yes, I understand that maybe they might be uh, really confused regarding that, but um, uh, in all my evidence, the Holy Spirit in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, there is personhood, individuality, and um, different person uh, as the son and the father. And probably here, here, is a summing up of the, the, the big evidence of all. And um, yes, Pastor. The, the Holy Spirit also hears, the Holy Spirit also sees. Oh, yes. The Holy Spirit says, and that uh, just a, a power can't do that. Yeah, yeah, and yesterday I mentioned something that maybe I promised and didn't fulfill, so I'm going to fulfill it today. But uh, when you say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the, and, the, and the Holy Spirit, it is very clear in the Bible that you are going to find these triadic formulas, like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and... Um, 
when you when you study statistics you cannot forget the statistics because they are going to influence you forever by the way so if you say uh, father son and holy spirit you can say father holy spirit and son you are changing son and holy spirit and you can say son father and holy spirit and you can send son holy spirit and father and you can say holy spirit Father and Son, and Holy Spirit, Son and Father. You agree with that? Six ways. And you are going to go to the Bible, and there are about 18 times that are um, kind of 24% of the instances in the, in the New Testament, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is, I would say, classical formula uh, about the presentation of that. And you are going to find... Son, Holy Spirit, and Father about 15 times in the New Testament. And sometimes you are going to see Son, Father, and Holy Spirit that appears 14 times. That is um, about um, this uh, amount of, of presence in, in the New Testament. And for that reason I made this. With all the formulas in the New Testament. That is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, about 24%. And uh, you are going to see that Holy Spirit, Son, and, and Father, 10%. Holy Spirit, Father, and Son, 12%. Father, Holy Spirit, and Son, 15%. And Son, Father, and Holy Spirit, 19%. And Son, Holy Spirit, and Father, about 20%. So the Bible is telling you that this is in the mind of the writers is clear and they are going to to put you in the advice um, the apostle paul is only to say well you were such a thing but you were washed in the name of this and this and this and they are going to close the pistol and they are going to use the three names in which they are going to put that so the triadics the Trinity, the Godhead, is in the mind and is enrooted, I would say, in the New Testament. For me, that is very convincing. Yeah, they say that it's always listed in, in order, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this shows it's not. They're saying that they're not equal because if they were equal, then you could move them around in their position. Well, they are, they are in the New Testament, they are using that. But they're saying, oh, it's always Father's first. Yes. I saw your hand. Yes. But since it, he was yeah. created so long ago, he could be considered eternal. Also, I know in studying the Bible, I'm an elementary teacher, and I I wondered some questions from kids, 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 kids. How many gods you have? You have three because you have the Father, you have the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I was also father used I was younger. But when I learned that uh, we should not confuse the person and the power because God means power. Am I right? God means power and the components are the three persons. This is God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So yeah. Well, we, we believe 
in three persons, but not there are not one person. Yeah, and I am, yes, I, I understand that. But I'm clarifying because some point with the anti, um, excuse me, with the pioneers uh, regarding the Trinity, some of them were uh, discussing with articles of faith, but not necessarily with information coming from theological elements in the Bible. And that is part of the problem, I will say. Yeah, because your discussion is but I'm trying to make it simple with I'm yes. also trying to clarify if my understanding is correct that we believe in three persons but one power. One, one one God. One God. Because God is power and three person. And her question that uh, are they hierarchical uh, Father, Son and Holy Spirit? The, the person, as I see it, the person, like uh, humanly speaking, our father is uh, above the son and also we don't know about the spirit, but um, the power, they are all the same. The function. What? The function? The power? The how, how I've explained it to somebody who didn't have any biblical background before in the Bible study is that each, their, each of their roles are, are, they each have a specific role in our salvation. That's the yeah. way I kind of frame it, is that they each do a specific part in our salvation process. They're all working together to reconcile us back to God. So instead of thinking about, and, th and that's what their, their power is all about, is to recreate us, recreate our hearts. So that's what I kind of frame it around, is our salvation. Yeah. And not trying to think about Okay, what is their power? What are they made up of? I try to frame it. Well, that's the reason why I, when I wrote the book about the God we worship, I, I submit my mind to the evidence coming from the Bible. Um, let me put you this example. And Pastor, I saw your hand immediately. Uh, open your Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Verse uh, 26 and 27. 26 and 27. We are discussing questions and answers regarding um, this, this topic. Uh, yes. Sorry. Sorry. Your question? Okay. Okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me read this. Um, 126. One, uh, 127. And, and God said, let us make man in our image. But read it. Read it. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So it's very clear. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Three times. Three plural. Let us, our image, our likeness. And go, go to the original. You are going to find out the same. So, and, and the Bible says, and God said, singular. When God speaks, it's plural. And so 27 says, and God, singular, created man in his own singular image. 
So you, you have here in the Bible, I will say the model that you are going to stretch out in the entire Bible. Every time that God speaks, that the author, divine author, Moses, speak about God, he is talking about God in singular. When God is talking, he's using plural. And when the author resumes and starts again, he uses again the singular. So you are going to the New Testament and you are going to find out that formula every time that is discussing about the topic of the Godhead always. So the Apostle Paul is going to say, and the God of peace will be with you, and they are going to uh, do the farewell and, and the blessing, final blessings in Corinthians, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But he, at the beginning, is talking about one God. So it's very clear for me that he's following a structure coming from the Old Testament. And the structure is this. When you are talking, we, human beings, talking about God is one God. God speaks about himself, sometimes uses plural. Pastor. I like to think of the word God as a family name. There's one Tomberg family, but it's made up of father, son, and daughter. So when I talk uh, about the family, it's Toppenberg. But then I might well, say, but Toppenberg has three people in it. So I use the name God as a family name. I, I understand the um, kind of um, illustrations, I would say. And um, I am not against that, but I prefer to submit myself to the authority of the Bible. So um, I, I prefer uh, that we accept what the Bible says, because sometimes somebody can have another. I, I do have a neighbor that when my wife went to say the welcoming, they were coming from Congo, and uh, there were 20 in the family. So um, it, it is a little bit complex sometimes, the structure of the family. However, however, what, what I am thinking here is let's submit ourselves to the authority of the Bible text in the scriptures. Yes. My concern is about the... the the God as Father, Son, and the Spirit is completely different. If you go Mark chapter 3, verse 29, they explain very well too. They say, uh, any blasphemy from Son, of course, it's forgiveness, no? But from Holy Spirit, it's never, they, they don't have forgiveness for this era, for the next life too. And then make a uh, complete different how God's operated in this moment. Well, God is uh, especially when I put the judge first, they know the Father very well. They also they memorize the Torah very well. They know Father. But uh, in the Old Testament, the Ruach HaKodesh 
it's not very, uh, it's a very common practice in that time. But in the New Testament, when Jesus came here, reflected the another form of the God, that because they don't, uh, they don't mix it. It's not most Trinitarian. They see three different gods in, uh, in the essence is only one. That's why Jesus, the Jewish people, they don't know Jesus. They want to be baptized in Jesus. And then, when you go to the Revelation, you see every person keep the commands and have the faith of Jesus. They qualify to, to, to be happy. That, that's, that's a very good explanation because the, the, the topic of the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it is, it is important to reflect upon, upon that case. First of all, the first is a distinguish between blasphemy. If the Spirit and Jesus were the same and one person, then to blaspheme the name of Jesus will be equally divided with the Holy Spirit, but it's not. He says that the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not going to be pertinent. Uh, uh, forgiven. Forgiven. And, and that is important. That is a distinguish regarding person to person. And that is, that is a factual. The other, the other concept is that always blasphemy, the word blasphemy, implies, per se, implies automatically that the Holy Spirit is divine. Because there is no blasphemy against human beings. There is no blasphemy against human beings. Only blasphemy can be in relationship with the divine person. And you are going to go to the Old Testament... And you are going to see that blasphemy in the Old Testament was under the merit of capital punishment. Because it was a capital offense. That, that's powerful in my, in my estimation. It, it is important. Florence, you want to say something? Uh, Olga, I'm listening Florence a moment. Um, I have a friend who uh, just believes that the Holy, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And I mean, she's a sincere Adventist, has been for years. But, and she's quiet about that. I mean, she don't spread it all around. But I, there's so many things to me that make it so definite that it is a distinct, you know, other person. And just like some of these things that have brought been brought out now of how can she think that it's God's spirit because the, like the one we just had like that um, anyway that God God would be speaking through his own spirit if, if uh, I, I just don't know how to get it across to her but I I have just gotten to the point of just we, we need to we need Florence to understand that sometime in church there are people who are not studying too much regarding these topics, uh -huh. 
and reflecting, and they set up their minds and close and put a lock upon that, and they are not going to be open to new ideas. But the concept for me, first of all, when Jesus says, and another paracletos or counselor, um, for me, that is, that is powerful. That, that is different person. It, it, is, it is from the text. Because Jesus is telling very clearly, I'm not the Father. The Father is not me, but it's God. Uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, is another person different from the Father and me. And it's alos. That is the word. It's different, similar. And it's ekeinos. The apostle used uh, an article of he in English, or L in Spanish. So it is quite clear in the, in the, in the original of the Bible. So, so we need to submit our belief to the authority of the text of the Bible, not impose our perception, thinking, upon the text of the Bible. But we need to be humble to the authority of the text of the Bible. Uh, when we say uh, we grieving the Holy Spirit. Of course, we were dealing with that yesterday. <laughs> because I was not here. I should have come here earlier. <laughs> okay, so uh, grieving the Holy Spirit is also grieving the Father and the Son. Well, there are other elements. In the book of Acts is what the pastor mentioned. You are going to see the, the Spirit speaking. Um, the Spirit giving directions. The Spirit um, saying, don't go to this direction. The Spirit intervening. Um, there are a lot of elements in which they you can understand and you single out that is a person that is completely different. In the book of Acts, is is astonishing the, the, the amount of elements um, about that. Olga, you want to say something? No, uh, I was just saying that it was an unpardonable sin to, to, to offend the Holy Of course. Mm -hmm. This is uh, known all through the Bible. And I'm, I'm dealing with the same problem with another person in the church has been in the church and I took last year's I believe Pastor uh, Scaroni's uh, handout and it is so clearly right there and I had a lot of other literature and I presented it to my friend and I said we should not dissect any more the Holy Spirit than what is given to us in the Bible. Yeah. Because that's what people do. Add their own opinions. Mm -hmm. And this is absolutely misleading and leading into uh, mysticism instead of the word of God. And I personally go always back to um, Genesis and uh, the Old Testament if I have a problem with understanding or want to clearly understand because take a look at the creation what does it say it's very clear there is no mistake about it 
Okay, let's have a word of prayer, and we are going to, just to, to help these people. I'm going to continue, but let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for these moments in which we were dealing with these topics here. Be with us in the continuation of the discussion and uh, help us to, to assist and help others regarding this big topic, an important topic in the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.